Well, I, I think for me, from a collectability standpoint, what you have there is you have a bet on a protocol. The guy who bought ordinal number two is saying he thinks he's putting a little bit of his massive wealth, right? This is not somebody who had $2 million and they're betting you know, almost their full stack. This is a guy with many, many, many times that amount. He was saying, I'm going to take a portion of my stack and I'm going to bet on ordinals. And what I'm going to say is I'm going to bet on basically the highest value item I can buy. One purchase of one super high value item, betting on the movement of this entire protocol. And I think it's a, you know, certainly right now in crypto, it doesn't seem like a bad bet. I mean, ordinals are winning. They're winning big time. They're winning mind share. It's complete crushage out. I mean, it's, you know, I feel, I think we're all proud that we're part of it, right? But ordinals are completely crushing. We've got chain leftist here. We've got Adam. We've got a bunch of people in uh, East Denver or Denver. There's a ton going on. Adam, what is going on, man? What's up, dude? Chain, uh, I'm so glad you were able to make it, man, uh, to talk about, well, not only this huge sale obviously happening on ordinals, um, but to give you a little props and congratulations for what uh, you got going on and your own art, uh, which is just pumping through the roof. Of course, I got full FOMO, missed it, and I don't know, whatever it was it, uh, when you launched it. I don't even know. Was it free at, at Mint? I can't remember. It was super, super inexpensive at Mint. Remind me of, uh, of, of that process, what you did. Hey, everyone. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, uh, yeah, it was, I think, basically, if, if for the collectors who collected my work previously, it was 10, 10 pieces were airdropped or nine pieces actually, sorry, nine pieces for airdropped. And then the rest were 0.1 ETH when I did it. That was like more than a year ago, but yeah. Amazing. And um, obviously you're getting a tremendous amount of traction with this whole uh, idea of ordinals and art fully on chain on Bitcoin, which, you know, obviously you were super early to identifying, you know, why this might be a thing, uh, which seems in hindsight, like completely obvious yet was not obvious at the time, right? I mean, even back in, you know, 21, we were discussing it, but it wasn't, I mean, what what were we thinking back then where we weren't even like, yeah, like, what, how did we not, how was this not blatantly obvious to us back in 21? What, what were we missing back then? I think it wasn't 21, it was 22, uh, but it was early, like uh, mid 22. I think it was, so first time, I ever spoke to Casey was mid 2022 and that was more in research for a, like I was doing a research and I was writing an article about the context of uh, the word NFT and how I mean, even this space on it together as well with you, I think Adam. Yep. So like, uh, I was like, you know, looking at different, how like different context of how the ownership was justified and you know, how, how the term NFT came to be. Uh, you know, I, I looked at Namecoin, I looked at Doge, Doge Party, Counterparty, all those like different elements. And I was looking at in, in this context, I was also looking at the different ways to uh, look at the newness or like the age of an asset, right? So at that point, I think it was, uh, I was speaking to Exi Pinata, you know, the artist mm -hmm. uh, yep. who has some work. Yeah. So uh, he he said like you know in in Miami I met this guy called uh, Casey Rodermore like he he was talking about something like uh, uh, you know a different way to maybe measure the newness and old, oldness of something uh, you know like you would look at essentially the sats and and you know when they were produced 
and maybe you can link things to those sets. Uh, you know, he was calling it ordinal theory or something. I was like, what the hell is this? Okay, so I, I reached out <laughs> to Casey and then we started talking. He came into Pinnacle's Discord. He came into NFT Archaeology Discord. We had a bunch of, like, at the time, like, at the time, of course, like, nobody knew about any of these. Um, but we, we discussed it. And then, um, and I put it into my article, actually, in the end, the ordinal theory in 2022, mid-22. Um, and then, you know, what it was and everything. And then in about November, Casey again reached out. He was researching how the on-chain art happens, you know, in ETH, basically. He was like looking at the ways to do it on Bitcoin. And, you know, he's, he was essentially working on these inscriptions, right? So he was working on linking sats to, to, to these within the taproot, like within the witness data. And like, we actually have a tweet, like, I think you can find it. It's public tweet. Um, he said, like, he tells me, you know, it's like a 40 mega, it's just filled right after I did the permanent. So I did it in November, I think. And maybe a few days, like, or a week after or something, he told me, so what is like, how does it work and stuff? Like he was looking at autoglyphs, for example, like, you know, oh, like autoglyphs is like fully on chain yeah. on, on ETH from 2019. But uh, like the, the way that it's displayed, like there is this nuance and the instructions. And like, we were talking all those like weird details on, on or different nuances of on chain art. And, uh, but he's on one tweet, he says like, oh, like I found this way to do it in within the within the witness data. And it's like, uh, you know, uh, $40 per megabyte or something. And I, my next tweet is like, what the hell? Like, it's insane. It's super cheap because, you know, on ETH is like uh, at 10 gray gas, it's like $10 per kilobyte. Like, yeah. you know, $10 per kilobyte versus $40 per megabyte. <laughs> so, and, and it's on Bitcoin and everything. So I was very you know, shocked because also I did the per permanent and per permanent was super expensive. Like I, I think per permanent is like very, you know, I, I optimized a lot that it's an animated SVG, but it's actually like nine kilobytes or eight kilobytes or something. It's actually super optimized, but with that nine kilobytes, it still cost me like $300 or something to put it on, to put it on Bitcoin. But he tells me about this, like, Oh, I can use the witness data. Okay. So it's not, you know, part of the main, you know, uh, UTXO set, but it's still still the still kind of you know validated by most of the miners, and it's you know forty dollars per megabyte. I was really shocked. Yeah, and 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 this is the moment that I should have really explored more. Because right, I was super <laughs> impressed by it. <laughs> I was super impressed by it, but I I actually tried. I tried to set up my Bitcoin core node and. Oh, you're like me, man. You actually went down the rabbit hole trying to do it, but failed and lost generational yeah, yeah. wealth. <laughs> Yeah, but it's I, I couldn't do it, and then I was like, okay, this is just too much. And I was at the at the time I was doing other stuff as well, like other work. And I was like, okay, what the hell, whatever. Like, and I ignored it. And then two months later, you know, <laughs> yeah, two months later, the ordinal craze started. Basically, yeah. it, it's it's so interesting, and and uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's um, and I'll I'll go back. I'll find that tweet thread, which now obviously becomes this like part of uh bitcoin ordinals lore right with his chat with you um but my actual point when i'm saying 21 what i'm talking about then is you know we're all in the you know historical nft space we're seeing this trend emerge right we're seeing autoglyphs go crazy we're seeing that price towards um you know on-chain uh nfts kind of spike and obviously you were intrigued by it and wanted to explore it from an artist's perspective. But almost, I'm almost like 
how did we all kind of miss that larger meta that this was going to take? Like looking back on it, kind of reviewing it. Obviously, you didn't miss it. You 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 did see it, and you decided to dive in. But what were the rest of us missing? Like how did we just completely fumble that bag and, and fail to identify that larger meta? I think on-chain was really not that popular. I mean, it was only popular in the context of art blocks, which was, you know, was doing it more on generative, you know, code perspective. And uh, in particularly on Bitcoin, generative art wasn't like ever even happened before. So, yep. um, yeah, like it was really zero generative art. It was mostly the, 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 the you know, Pepe's like one of ones or, or maybe the editions uh, through counterparty. So I think like uh, nobody really thought about really, you know, doing the on-chain art. Like it wasn't really a big deal for Bitcoin. And even on ETH, actually, it wasn't that big. It was only in the context of art blocks. And that was pretty much it. And of course, there are some collections like, you know, uh, you know, autoglyphs and, and K-comps and all those things, but um, it really wasn't that popular. I think really 2023 was when it started to get quite a lot, like, uh, you know, with ordinals and of course on it as well. But yep. uh, it's, uh, I think, yeah, it wasn't that big, I think, before. So, so what made you go down that road? Was it, um, was it kind of because of the puny codes thing that kind of got you interested from an artistic perspective, just like that idea of like on-chain art or, or what was it that kind of drove you to dive in deeper and go much deeper than, than virtually everybody. So, so I started collecting on-chain art already the moment I started collecting any NFTs, basically mid, mid 2021 was when I started collecting on-chain art already. Um, so it was already the, one of the more appealing sides of it. Um, maybe one key moment that made it even more interesting for me was realizing this composability part of on-chain art with loot in 2021. And then, uh, and then I started making my own work. Um, and that was like, basically if I was going to do anything, like it was going to be on-chain, right? So with Punicos, of course, definitely was a, was a big impact as well, because Punicos was on-chain art and it's the first one as well. So it, it got really interesting also. Uh, so it's kind of all, I guess, all the puzzle pieces aligned. And then I was like, okay, if, if I'm going to do anything, it has to be, you know, on-chain. And what is the method to do it on-chain? It was, you know, like most, like you can do some basic, I think, pixel art, but also you can do, you know, these SVGs or, or HTML style work. So that was the area I started exploring more. And I started doing it on ETH first. So this uh, Art Ponzi collection. And uh, when I did that, you know, the, the, <laughs> I mean, it's probably not that natural, but for me, it was the most natural next step <laughs> because I was already collecting stuff on Counterparty as well. It made sense to try it out on Counterparty as well. So that was the main, I think, uh, I guess, motivation. It, it was just for the purpose of really fucking around, really. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> you know, like pulling around. I mean, if we've learned was, anything, was... we realize the fucking around is how the entire ecosystem has been built, right? <laughs> Like literally, yeah, yeah, actually, it's literally just people fucking around, and it usually doesn't work. And sometimes yeah. it works, you know, three, five, ten years later. Like literally, I, I think I just put a tweet out about this, like how through the past cycles, um, the thing that's risen, like this past cycle, we had NFTs rise um, to lead the the cycle and lead the hype. 
but really NFTs kind of came into fruition in you know 2017, right? And then if you look back to the ICO boom, which led to 2017, that was kind of like also kind of hinted at previously, all right? And so it's like you get these cycles to come through where maybe it has a cycle where it doesn't quite work or kind of works, but then the next cycle is when it really hits. And I, I think it's really, really interesting. One thing I wanted to, you know, while we have you on stage and I hear your kids in the background and stuff. So if you have to pop off, you know, anytime, it's fine, man. But um, but one thing I'd like to pick your brain on is what you like, because there are varying levels of on-chain, right? If you can give people kind of a primer into what it means to you to be on-chain and what it is and the different levels, can you kind of dive into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So it's a it's a it's a couple of dimensions. I I, I also I was want to look at it in different dimensions, right? So it's not sometimes it's not overlapping even. Um, so there is obviously the chain itself. There is the, the the data formats, and there is the I guess proper on chainness. I guess is what we call. Um, so like I mean I think in the NFT space a lot of the people a lot of people don't even you know use the term sometimes the way that uh, people who first made the on-chain art are using. And I don't want to, you know, gatekeep any term or anything. So it depends on how people want to, you know, view the terms. But the, the naturally understood on-chain would mean that the data, it's in such a way on, on the chain that it's extractable from the chain. So you can reconstruct the art from the chain. So, uh, you know, in uh, historically speaking, you can find you know, are like links that are on the chain that point to an image, right? So that can be sort of like a way to establish a connection between the token and the visual. Um, or uh, historically, again, some, you know, people experimented putting the hash of the, of the image. So what that means is that um, there is a way, like in, in, the, in general, like in, in encoding or in any sort of uh, really like computer programming or encoding, uh, you can hash things in a way that it, it creates a one-way hash of an image. So for example, if you hash an image, it will create you a small string, which will be a uh, a proof almost that this is this image is the, the one that you're essentially pointing towards in that token. Right. So people who put the hash on the chain would essentially be able to prove that if someone says like, okay, this is hash, but I don't know what that is, right. you can say that, hey, this is, this is the image this hash is uh, referring to, and then this other person can go and check it, put that image into the hash algorithm and it would present the same output of strings essentially. And that would be the proof. And so what so for, for people who don't understand, like, but that requires you to have the image, right? So that's kind of the, yes. the thing that the hash, like we've, we've experienced this, um, that people made these hashes, did the hashes, but then the image, like the person who did it disappeared or the image went down from the website mm -hmm. and stuff. So it then people have to like somehow find this image again, right? Um, yeah. Yeah so. yeah. so this is this is not considered typically, this is not considered on chain. This is considered hash on chain, which would mean it's a one way proof of an image, but it's not like you said, it's not two ways. So you can't construct the art from the chain. Sorry, my son just jumped into that's the okay. Room. That's um, okay. The one, the then, big one that came up recently was the link, right? Because, um, and obviously we've dealt with this a lot in the historical NFT um, community, but uh, the Nakamoto card, your 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 tweet about that got got quite a lot of traction last week, right? Where you said, "Hey, the link 
you know, on counterparty for the rare Pepe Nakamoto card is broken. And it's been broken, I think, for a couple of years now. Um, but but it turned out, and, and I knew this before, like originally the Nakamoto card, when it was originally put on to counterparty, had no link. It had nothing, right? Um, there was no link. The link was put in later. Um, and a lot of people in the NFT and crypto space do not know that about rare Pepe's. Almost no rare Pepe. Maybe, maybe no rare Pepe's at their initial launch had like links included. Um, but talk about that a little bit and, and the kind of fe- feedback or hate you got online for that. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, that post. <laughs> I mean, I just posted like what it is, right? I mean, it, it wasn't like, uh, you know, a knock on Pepe's really. It's just that it's a no, it's, I think worth knowing Like basically I think 99.9% of NFTs either are like, you either have some, you have something within the chain, right? You have at least like either a, a link to an image or you have the, art itself on the chain or you have a hash or something um and and that applies to actually even real life certificates and these to art like when you have a kind of a reference point to the art sometimes you have the codes and barcodes and QR codes or you have like essentially there is that there tends to be a link usually between the deed or the thing that you buy and sell and the the visual that you use and buying and selling. However, that's not the case for rare purpose. The, the idea behind rare purpose was that it's like there's this social consensus that uh, we believe that this visual represents this token. And when you're buying, essentially you're buying this token, essentially you're not buying the, the image or you're not buying a link, you're buying actually um, a token which is represented by this visual, but then the issue is that basically that where is that where does that visual live? It lives on directory, like the you know counter like the rare paper directory, yep. and it's maintained by the you know rare paper scientists. Or and as the, Joe would say, you could download it yourself. You should have it yourself, right? Yeah, it's like um, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Um, so so that's that's the kind of a social consensus essentially was what managed or what maintained rare paper's uh, image and token link but it wasn't within the chain essentially yep. and that's the case for most of the pepes it's not the case for all pepes though um and it definitely wasn't the case at some point for nakamoto card but it is now the case as well for nakamoto card but for example mike himself like acknowledged that it uh, he might actually link to the ordinal of nakamoto card because he clearly also considers it a better approach so yeah i just think that like if everything is like that and if it's uh if I'm not just within NFT space, I'm, I'm talking about even the, in the outside NFT space, there tends to be a link between these visuals and, and everything. And why would we leave things to more trust than less trust? Like obviously link is not the 100% best solution either. Like there are lots of, even on chain art is not always the 100% the best solution. Yeah, exactly. Um, Chains break and go down and think, die, right? <laughs> yeah, I think like there is like a, and, and not even just that, there are like other things as well, but like, uh, there are layers to everything, and I feel like you know, not having is worse than having something. Sure, so that's, that's just my point of view. Yeah, it's it's like I think in a lot of ways, and this has kind of been my viewpoint for a couple of years now. It's like we're just growing into better and better systems, um, and we're learning and getting better. From you know, token is the art, you know, as they would say, but we all know it's like, well, it's not exactly the art; it's 
the art is still the image itself too. And right. But so it's like the social layer that connects them to, then we went to like sort of a link layer, um, which is fraught with its own issues. And then now we're moving into kind of an on-chain layer, uh, which I'm sure will have its own issues as well. Nothing, you know, if this tells me anything, almost nothing is perfect. Right. And so maybe we move to something else in the future, which may be a combination of maybe all three of those things. I'm not sure. Uh, Chris, go ahead, man. Oh man, Shane, awesome to have you up here. Huge fan. Love seeing you on the timeline and uh, just getting a bunch of recognition for for really pioneering the space. Um, it's been a blast kind of seeing the resurgence a few weeks ago of uh, Pet Pyramids and just kind of like came about, was under an ETH, kind of rocketed up to maybe 10K-ish, kind of uh, mellowed out a bit and then kind of hit the second wave. So excited to see what happens there. Assuming that uh, the the centerpiece of this this art was kind of permanence how did you come to the creative process of of the actual art on chain what was that process like so <laughs> that's also a funny story because i i wanted to do it and i you know already had my free wallet i had my you know i know you know the counterparty uh, counter wallet or something so you know i i had access to these tools and the first thing i did was i actually uh, on telegram i reached out to um exchange like you know, uh, J Dog mm -hmm. uh, and a few others, um, and I asked like, hey, can I put something else there? Like, I, do I have to put a link there? Like, can I just put a actual data URI, which is like you know, what is the universal format for um, you know all browser accepted essentially? Like, that's how they display images and everything. Like, can I just put a data URI there? Like, uh, you know, to that that will display the image. And like they were really against it. Oh, really? <laughs> I have some That's interesting. <laughs> what, why? What no, J dog? J dog didn't want you spamming the chain, or what? What was the What was the reason why? I, I mean, I don't know the the reason. Maybe, maybe they they considered it malicious. I don't know what it was, but maybe maybe they maybe like you said, maybe it was spamming or maybe something else. Um, that there was this whole XCP drama a few weeks ago as well, so maybe related to that as well. I don't know, but. Uh, but he was very much against it. He says, like, no, this is not the purpose for this field. It's you either put a you know a link there or a weave there, and that's it. Or or if you want, you can you can put a description, but that's a description field, obviously. It's called description for a reason and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, I just was I was just curious, maybe I can experiment. So, but even then, I was like, okay, whatever, I'll try something else myself. So what I did, I I tried um the limit of because I noticed that there was a limitation on uh, free wallet, I think. So it wasn't possible to do a free wallet, but I went to counter wallet and I used one of those servers. I don't remember which one, but, uh, um, I, Oh, so, so, so free wallet thing. had like a limit of what, like 80 characters or something like that. And then I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think some, something, I don't remember exactly, but, uh, but then this other, like the browser option, I first tried a, just a, like a pink image, like pink pixel or something. Basically I, tokenized that essentially I, I created first i encoded it or something and then i made the data uri out of it and then i put that one and it worked and i was like okay so if this works maybe this other thing will also work so i tried i built the permanent art itself like the you know the svg art the the, the glitch one so i built it and i designed it in the exact dimensions that fake rares require because i wanted to launch it also as part of the fake rares at the time, like really great artists were launching stuff with fake rares as well. Like I don't they still do. But uh, you know, uh, like I think there was uh Aftka did something, uh, and then yeah, several people really did good stuff. And I was really inspired by it. So I was okay, like let's do something like interesting there as well. So I 
put that one uh, in, the, in those dimensions and I, and I then basically put it into the ETF format. I, I made a data URI out of it. And then I tested it and I'm seeing, okay, the number $300, is this worth for the experiment? <laughs> I was like, well, whatever, like I'll try it. And I, I did it and it works. So I was like, okay. So it worked. And then I applied Fakers uh, in a few months. I think basically that's why it was launched a bit later, even though it was on chain in November, 2022, we did the actual auction, like actual sales in January, early or mid January or something in 2023, because, uh, you know, Faker had this like, uh, you know, approval process. Uh, but yeah, they were like nice and they accepted it. And that's how it came to be. It's awesome, man. The, um, it's so funny when you, when you, uh, when you put out that tweet, uh, last week about rare Pepe and the broken link and, you know, when you start looking through all this, the stuff, uh, not only on rare Pepe, but just counterparty and you see what people were using for links and you see a lot of what's that meme site. I can't even remember, but a lot of people use all these, like, you know, to just see the evolution of what people are using and to see that, okay, now it's IPFS or it's Airweave or whatever, and just see this growth. Um, but I liked how you put out a tweet where you said, okay, what's the, the, you know, the most expensive uh, one that have, has been lost, right? Um, and I thought back to, you know, there was a project that I found in 2018 called um, Kim Kim Jong Crypto or whatever, right? After the the uh, Kim Jong Il from uh, North Korea or whatever. And I found this project in 2018 and the links, the images were still there because the website was still up. And uh, I think I claimed only one or two of those and, and then talked about it on on Twitter and let other people go and claim more. But eventually, whoever had that server, you know, stopped paying for the server. And those images are, you know, they're lost. They're gone, right? They're, they're to the wind. They're not even in, they're not even connected on the, on, the, um, on the contract level, right? And so there are all these kind of old projects. I don't think most people understand a lot of old projects and probably a whole lot of 2021 NFT projects where those founders are gone and those images are gone. Right. And, um, it's an interesting thing with NFTs and we were, I mean, people have been talking about it since the early days, right? We have, um, art gnomes been started a whole, uh, company around, you know, just preserving the images of NFTs. Right. Um, but where do you think this kind of goes? What do you think is next? And how do you think kind of the NFT and crypto art space moves forward? with like image storage and i mean like what do you what do you feel taking where we are now which is like ordinals on chain storing stuff as ordinals or stamps or whatever where do you think it's going where do you think we are in a couple of years from now well i don't know in that like storage wise if there will be i mean there is all this like conversation about data availability layers and stuff right like the the all rollups based on data availability and so this conversation is happening i think a lot more on the ethereum side but um that that is a, a, an angle definitely to consider i don't know if there can be like really unique inventions that can happen in that space any like specifically on storage terms uh, but i think the other sides of the on-chain art can be appealing to people like for me personally for example it like the more recently not when i say recently it's like more than a year now but still uh, like the more recently, this on-chain dynamism has become really appealing to me personally because it's kind of 
I feel it's it's really touches a lot of aspects of the crypto as well because it's you know the yeah it's it's a very dynamic environment obviously but there is this social coordination at play a lot in crypto there is this like uh, ownership aesthetics like the people you know how how your for example information you have on chain can affect the art so those things are a lot like starting to become very ap appealing for me personally um, like some people are calling it runtime art or, or or these kinds of different ways to call it. So this side is becoming very appealing to me, although I don't know if the audience here will be very interested. Wait, tell, tell me what that, more. I don't know, this might be the first time I've heard, would you say call it runtime art? Yeah, so, um, I mean, there are different ways to define it and I, I don't even know if my definition is the, is the correct one or someone else's definition is the correct one. But uh, a lot of people um, are, this is really more on the Ethereum side because they're using the blockchains or computation essentially blockchains runtime like running of the blockchain that's mm -hmm. what they mean by it um as a way to uh i guess produce art and that could be of course one aspect of that is the generative elements itself right gotcha. so you can use the uh the randomization and so on but but the the larger element that is i think maybe conceptually a little bit more interesting is using the elements within the chain that can happen right so the earliest examples of that were using the block time or block, uh, you know, mm -hmm. block uh, number or, or stuff like that, like the timestamps of the block. So you can, you know, you, you've seen examples, maybe like things like art that tracks the moon cycle or art that tracks the. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking more of like Crypto Arte, you know, the way he used uh, block size and. Um, you know, different. Yeah, so that's yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great example. It's off chain, of course, but yeah. when it's done within the chain, it becomes a little more, I guess, uh, like you can actually make it dynamic, right? So you can actually specifically refer to this in this specific block. Right? So if something suddenly shoots up in that block, the art suddenly changes, right? So uh, so there is that element, but but you know, start like this is what I'm talking about is like the earlier example, but then. You know, you can start to see where it can go, right? So now we've seen examples of art that changes based on the price of a token. And then you start seeing art that changes based on the collector's behavior or based on their, you know, I'm talking about again on ETH, but based on their ETH balance, for example, or based on the other NFTs that they own or based on what they perform on the chain or based on maybe you can look at some DAO's actions and based on that, you can track the art or... You can even do it based on the. It can be the direct interaction with the with the chain as well. So it can be like, you know, you're a collector and you're a and there is an artist. Artist builds something, but the collector can perhaps upload something on the chain that becomes a combination of what the artist did and the collector did. So there is this kind of a joint element as well so so i the way i see it in my opinion like the the on-chain art i think it it always will have an appeal it will always be itself a movement but uh, like if if you ask me like where it can go next or what is the like next thing that can happen within the context of on-chain art i guess for me it would really be these elements like things that use on-chainness not just as a way of storage but also as a way to uh, built mechanism and concepts around it. That's how I see it, at least. Right. So to to modify artworks uh, based on on chain mechanisms. So as the chain changes or moves or whatever, um, the artwork actually updates itself. It's interesting. Who was I talking to? Um, uh, who just did that with 
what do you do with stamps or maybe it was an ordinal um, where, yeah, depending on the time of day or whatever uh, on chain, it would, it would modify the, the ordinal itself. God knows how he did it. Uh, Derp. That's who it was. Derp. I don't know if you know Derp. Um, oh yeah. He, LMR as well. Yeah. So obviously he, uh, a lot of dev in there more than even art, but it's, uh, it's that combination of being able to, figure it out from the dev side. He actually also did something interesting. I don't know if you saw him do this where he was using prompts for AI, you know, for an, an LLM. Yeah, I saw, I saw you cool. saw that, right? It where sad, it's yeah. really, I was like, wow. I mean, obviously now it's nothing, but when you start thinking about how AI is going to be integrated in things and if, if artists can kind of embed, you know, whatever their vibe on something through a prompt where whatever AI the person is viewing their AI through and it modifies based on the artist um, could be some really interesting stuff too. But man, we've held you up long enough. If you need to run a uh, totally yeah. awesome. I'm going to run in a second. I just wanted to say one yeah. last thing because uh, Chris mentioned that, oh, like, you know, I like you built this kind of thing. I, I'm not that early or anything, you know, I, I mean, yes, the permanent was compared to ordinals. It was early. Um, but just to be clear, like uh, there is uh, before permanent, like in I think 2022 May or something. So yeah, I did this permanent and you know SVG and and you know put the data URI and stuff on chain and everything. But before before that, uh, in I actually don't know exact date. I'm sorry for it. But uh, someone uh, like CC Satoshi uh, which is in the audience actually today, he did this CC Satoshi, uh, which is the kind of is a pixel art on his PFP. Uh, so that's also within within the, you know, done within the multi-sig a similar method as the permanent essentially. Just minor differences in our methods essentially. So just to just to be able to make make people aware of it. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm I'm still waiting for uh Cornholio to pass me one of those bad boys. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, it's awesome, man. I and I always appreciate the way you are um transparent and um very logical and stuff in in the way you post and and um lay out your arguments i thought it was completely unfair how people were brutalizing you last week that was people calling you a scammer is ridiculous um so sorry you had to go through all that sort of stuff hope you didn't take it too personal it's just twitter you know but um keep up the good work man we appreciate you thank you sorry dogfather did you have a question to me before i left oh dogfather yeah man go no, no question. Hey guys, uh, hey chain left. So I'm a big fan. You know that. Um, so we have been in the early puny days, uh, puny codes days, and I think this was very inspiring for everything we we did afterwards. Because then you know what happened on Namecoin that the punies were there putting stuff on chain. We had base sixty four encoded artwork on Namecoin. So and and then you look at the world differently than if you don't know about these things. And you try it out on, you know, more vivid chains like uh, on, on on Bitcoin. I did something on Dogecoin, very similar, uh, a bit, uh, you know, not as elaborate in terms of the artwork, but, you know, just experimental wise. And I think this brings us uh, forward a lot and we need to have these discussions. And of course, some people have back bias. We know that they don't want to hear the truth and they have a different opinion. But I mean, in a thousand years, on-chain matters. I mean, you know, because everyone uh, who is alive uh, won't be there. Um, 
we don't we may not know about these websites and even archives and social consensus people will dig out the node will run it again spin it up and look what is in the transactions and they will find the on-chain art while they may not find a book about you know uh, frogs or uh, you know whatever kind of archives of, of websites or know whether they are they are true or not um so i think this this is this is really important and this is also one of the reasons why uh, ordinals inscriptions are popping uh because it's it's very logical for the collectors that this is a big thing it's on the mother chain so um and, and of course casey is, is is an awesome dude and he you know, was promoting that uh, like few people in the world can do. And um, yeah, this is why ordinals are so large. And now people know about on-chain art on Bitcoin and everything that was before, also what JP Jensen was doing, uh, Cornelio, you were doing. It's just getting way more attention than a year before or two years before. Yeah, 100%. So sorry, I want to say bye to everyone and thank you for inviting me. Um, I couldn't say hi to the world either, but uh, love to you all. See ya. Bye. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming. Devoted, man. I haven't talked to you in a while, bro. Where you been, bro? Hi, sir. So it's been a while indeed. And nothing just like hanging around in the crypto Twitter space. And a bit time, I was a bit focused on the business as well. I was, that DGEN side had taken over a, a <laughs> bit too much of my time. And then like I had to get let go of a few of the individuals within my organization. So decided to take a couple of months, focus more on that side. And then now it's better than ever. So yeah, all good. Well, welcome back, bro. It's uh it's fun to be back for the beginning of the bull run and you see all this on-chain stuff, you know, popping, obviously. Um, I don't know how much of the ordinals, uh, explosion you were tracking, but, um, you know, every time I see it and, you know, obviously when ordinals, we were there at the beginning when it started going off and, um, but immediately I, I start thinking about puny codes every time. Right. And, um, if it just for people in the audience who don't know about, you know, puny codes and the rediscovery would be cool if you give the, you know, one minute overview of kind of how that went down, just so people understand what it is. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, sure thing. And so to like to the people who don't know, so Namecoin is one of the first, like it's arguably the first altcoin that was created back in 2011. And the initial like ideas were discussed by Satoshi himself on the Bitcoin talk forum. And after that, in like in April 2021, so the birth to the namecoin blockchain was given it was basically at, uh, it's kind of you could say the preliminary version to ens that we see today and the uh, censorship resistant domains was the basic idea behind it so that like just like your bitcoin cannot be taken by someone unless obviously they have the seed to it in a similar fashion a domain can't be taken down by a centralized organization by let's say the government and uh, so in so as soon as about 20 days after the creation of the chain the first chain uh, Namecoin. So people, including some of the core developers of the Namecoin blockchain at that time, started experimenting with the namespace to create different kinds of, some, would, some people would say artwork, some people would say just artistic uh, experiments onto the chain. And thus, so some of the earliest, with the birth to the, some of the earliest puny, puny codes were given. So puny code is basically an encoding language by which you can inscribe various forms of emojis, ASCII artworks, etc., onto a domain space. And um, 
yeah, the first Unicode was on 10th May 2011. And those were, you could say, one of the first experiments in the artistic space in the crypto realm. And uh, in, I guess, in, in 2022, January was the day that me and Puddle, he's he has left the space as of right now for the last about year or two. But uh, initially, we both were just... Like we were just name coin enthusiasts. We were hanging around the chain, finding different kinds of experiments that were there and just playing around with the entire ecosystem in general. And then we had found some of the earliest. So the how the Punicode encoding language works, it's accent, dash, dash, and some various forms of characters, including alphanumeric characters. And via that, you can encode an emoji or a... Artwork, like you can see my PFP, it's basically the ASCII artwork of an owl. So this was encoded back in 2012. So these were the earliest, you could say, artistic experiments. And then we had basically discovered these and then wrote out a tweet. It's my pinned tweet in my profile. And then since like within a couple of, I would say within a day or two of the discovery, the flow rose to opposite of two weeks. And it was like extremely like unbelievable to me because these were basically Experiments, you could say, and I had sent people out Namecoin so that they could go open up the Namecoin uh, wallet, play around with the assets, etc. So yeah, that was the rediscovery process of one of the first artworks, you could say, or artist assets that represented art artistic experiments. Yeah, of our space. Yeah, the um, and so people who don't know, one of the and I, it's kind of harkens back to what I was talking about earlier, the growth of everything in crypto, where we learn on what was maybe mistakes or just you know experiments like with namecoin has what I, what we would now consider a flaw for most things um which is they all expire right after six eight months um which we still see with like ens names right those still expire but they, so that obviously but this is a huge issue when it comes to you know holding assets on chain we now take it as you know, if I have an asset, it's mine indefinitely. Nothing can happen to it. Nobody can take it from me, right? So it's like this kind of like, that's our understanding. But on Namecoin, you know, those guys who were doing Namecoin at the time, in order to prevent, you know, think of it as ENS, in order to prevent squatting, in order to encourage use and make sure people maintain them, right? They expire. And so, you know, these are some of the early lessons of like things that actually that's not what people prefer. And um, so, yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see, you know, Namecoin, how it was so early from a domain perspective, uh, even from an identity perspective. And I, I pinned my tweet that I put out earlier today on this idea of identity and how, yeah, we had some traction with ENS names and identity kind of last cycle. Um, but it almost feels like we're coming into maybe a more full realization of that identity. And I don't know. Um, but Punicos for me are always this kind of like really, really cool, um, very, very early, uh, art, uh, art on blockchain and period. That's it. Right. We'll argue for the next hundred years about the, uh, you know, whether they are real, real, if they expire, is it the real one? Is it the fake one? You know, all this sort of stuff. And cha actually chain left has some amazing, um, posts on that and deep threads on like that debate because it's a vigorous debate. Um, but from a collectability standpoint, meaning, you know, are these very important in the history of blockchains? I mean, I, I just, how could you even argue against it? We could argue if it's the initial token or not, um, but there's no question that they're important. Um, go ahead, Devoted. I see you, you unmuted your mic. 
Yeah, like I absolutely agree. And uh, like Punic was him, itself was the first time Chain left himself had entered the space. And after that, uh, within I could say a period of a few months, he was really like fascinated by all the experiments that were going on. And then he started playing around with creating his own first artworks. And I'm proud to say I was one of the like I believe Adam and myself. He has left the chat as of right now, but a different Adam, not the Adam that like, <laughs> I'm speaking to you. But yeah, Adam. So we were one of the first collectors of his artworks, and then when along after about then a couple of months later, he had shared the like initially even I guess even before putting the artwork on chain, he had shared the artwork of Peppermint with us, and like I was literally in awe of it, and I was like, man, this is one of your finest works as of right now. And then after some time, and he like he told me that how this can be a novel experiment onto the Bitcoin chain, that how he's basically storing the image on chain. However, like. To the people who don't know, so there was a saying back in 2021 that if you see any projects claiming themselves to be a first in the <laughs> NFT space, then you should just look back at how Rare Pepe had done it between 2016 and 18. And then most probably the chances are that if there's any work that any project that's claiming to be a first, Rare Pepe have done it already. Yeah. So that particular saying was going in my mind as well. And I was like, like it, I don't think like the entire the the under the entire period the XCP was live ever since 2014 and the Bitcoin itself as a chain ever since like 2009 of course so people someone wouldn't had like put in a particular artwork on chain but yeah it seems like Cornelio and uh, uh, Chain Left were the one of the first artists to experiment this kind of on chainness when it comes to artworks on the Bitcoin blockchain yeah it's one of the interesting things like with Puny Codes too. Um... Well, Punicode's kind of highlighted um, that what's put on chain, and I, this is something that I get from from people who don't know what's happening or or don't kind of understand what on chain necessarily means, um, is they'll think whatever. If I put a picture of a an ape onto an ordinal, they somehow think I'm I'm actually putting the the image of the of the ape somehow magically in the chain. They don't understand that it's just a string of, you know, numbers and text. It's a hash. It's this or that. They literally don't get it. And so trying to describe, you know, well, puny codes, right? You know, that it's it's gener or it's it's a computer basically reads it and creates the image. Um, a lot of people don't understand the different ways that that can be put on chain, right? Um, how do you look at that? Um, and and just from a perspective of of long term, how would you feel like if, if I put it in in a certain mechanism? Like, for example, I'm, I'm rambling a bit here, but let me get to something. Like, for example, Flash. Right, Flash was huge in the early 2000s. Right now, Flash is almost not even used. Right, so if I put something on chain that used Flash as like the interpreter of what was on chain, I'd be in trouble now because a lot of stuff wouldn't be able to see it or kind of show it, right? How would you look at that from what we're currently putting on chain, right? Which of course we have ways of interpreting all the stuff we put on now, but in the future, like Dogfather just said, okay, a hundred years from now, what if they don't know how to interpret an SVG file, right? How would you, how do you look at that um, with kind of taking a long-term view? Yeah, I completely agree. So, like one of like some of the first, you could say, like obviously the first, you could say the breakthrough that Bitcoin had was like breaking the 
Byzantine general's problem. But like apart from that, like on-chain storage, like having something that it's truly, truly immutable and something that can't be taken down by a centralized authority is one of the most you could say use case, one of the most powerful use cases of Bitcoin and the entire crypto space in general. And uh, obviously, like as like time has passed, like you can't just look back at something that was let's say created in 2016 or 15 or whatever time that was created on and say, man, this is not on-chain because well, to be honest, no one was, no one had the insight at that point to. Like think that okay, I need to create an asset in such a way that it's gonna be mutably stored onto the chain for the next thousand years or ten thousand years or so. However, yes, like actually storing the assets that are completely on chain that can be rendered by the by the coming generations, no matter how many decades or centuries down the uh, time timeline we go. So that is one of the most powerful things. And you could say like obviously like how on chain an artwork is that is like. Uh, you could debate that on a like it's gonna be a really long debate for the same. However, you could say Autoglyph was the one of the first to do it completely on chain because the algo is stored on chain and you can you can use the algo to render the artworks. And uh, but however, when it comes to just being truly on chain like asset like initially like you could say obviously the 2000 the names created back in 2011 on name coin they were you could say that's for example bitcoin.bit that was the first domain created so that is something that is truly on chain so it's just like the bitcoin it's just bitc oin so that do it these are those are just the alphabets and a similar fashion when it comes to putting the puny codes on chain so that was like you have the encoding language itself there and then you can render that and create the artwork like my owl ask you over here. So those are one of the first uh, earliest experiments of on-chain. And it is like Namecoin would argue, you you guys could say that Namecoin was almost a dead chain um, until the rediscovery processes that were going on in 2021. And up till that point for the many years, like all the assets that were stored over there that that have a, you could say a completely on-chain directory, like they could easily be rendered by, by anyone, including myself and like all the people who, were there while the rediscovery processes around, around 2021. So in a similar, like, and there are some assets on the Namecoin chain which had a link in it, but many of the links expired and we don't really know what exactly was stored on that, on those particular assets. So yeah, on-chain, like, it's one of the most important things moving forward. And this is the reason why I'm not really sure if DevBeef did it or Larva Labs did it, but they stored, uh, they put CryptoPunks on chain as well. With, yeah. In, I guess, 2021 or something. Yeah. yeah. What, so, what, yeah wait, what were you saying about DevBeef? What, what did he do? Did he do something I'm recently? I'm not really sure if Larva Labs had, like, added the punks on chain or DevBeef had. I'm not exactly sure on that. So. No, I think the, the punks did it. Yeah, they did it. Oh, um, okay. They did it. Larva Labs did it themselves, I believe. Go ahead, Dogfather. Yeah, just one one thing to add. I mean, that's also why Bitcoin ordinals are so popular because you can put whole packages um, on chain and everyone can recursively use them. So you never have the problem that actually the underlying interpreter or package is not available anymore. So you don't have to link to any server. You just link to um, a Bitcoin inscription that includes the code. I think this is something like, um, you know, a, a growing computer on Bitcoin. This makes it uh, extremely powerful. And I, ha I haven't seen this actually somewhere else, but I I'm also not, you know, like non-chain uh, DAF, but this looks like you're know, super powerful. Uh, once people really spend the money putting putting the code on chain, everyone can use it. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's a really good point. It's something that um, I mean, obviously, puny codes, even for people who might not realize it, but the puny code interpreter is like, I think almost every computer on earth has a puny code interpreter, right? Um, 
but it is different. Like the SVG interpreter, how you interpret the images um, almost always requires an, an off-chain mechanism. Some of them are widely available now, but to Dogfather's point, this ability to not even need it because it's kind of encoded in the blockchain itself. Uh, I don't know. It just feels right. <laughs> it just feels like that's going to be the way forward, uh, at least for the time being. Who knows where it's going to be a decade from now, but that feels like, for now, that's that feels like the right way forward. But um, Chris, do you have any uh, final words here to bring us home, man? Oh man, yeah. Just kind of uh, let's let's wrap it up with just kind of the title. And Adam, what do you think, man? Each obviously have their own kind of value proposition <laughs> and really lead into you know provenance and so many important uh, milestones within the industry. Yep. What does you know a one point four million dollar sale for one of the first ordinals? mean versus something like pet pyramid what do you think well i I think for me from a collectability standpoint uh what you have there is you have a bet on a protocol right uh the guy who bought ordinal number two is saying he thinks he's putting a little bit a little bit of his massive wealth right this is not somebody who had uh, two million dollars and they're betting you know almost their full stack this is a guy with many 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 times that amount who's saying, I'm going to take a portion of my stack and I'm going to bet on ordinals. And what I'm going to say is I'm going to bet on basically the highest value item I can buy. Uh, One purchase of one super high value item, betting on the movement of this entire uh, protocol. And I think it's a, you know, certainly right now in crypto, uh, it doesn't seem like a bad bet. I mean, ordinals are winning. They're winning big time. They're winning mind share uh it's complete crushage out i mean it's you know i feel i think we're all proud that we're part of it right um but ordinals are completely crushing and it's spread not only from bitcoin but it's spread to basically every chain on earth now have inscriptions uh i think that's super powerful and it all leads back to the mother chain of bitcoin i mean it's just the narrative is so strong that uh it seems like a pretty wise bet so that said does peppermint and you know the work of chain have some important you know historical perspective and from a a niche collectible perspective is that going to be important um you know time will tell i don't i don't particularly know i i know how fickle kind of uh collectors are at that level where it's it is a niche um but certainly chain is just an awesome dude and such a great player in the space that you know i think we all here support him and support his work and um it's great to see somebody win like that so for me it's it's awesome to see that uh go ahead dog father take us out man yeah maybe uh if we want to interpret the uh, the title of the space uh, a bit more in detail so we know that uh, the figure has a supply of 69 based on the latest sale um this is a pro- this is a bit more than three hundred thousand dollars so it's not like forty thousand versus 1.4 million it's it's not that much of a magnitude of difference. It yep. is still having a decent market cap, and this is still the, this is still the beginning, right? So we can we can close this gap if the uh, I mean the current floor is like ten ETH, right? I don't know whether anyone is buying for that. Um, maybe somewhere in, in between, but then we are not that far away from this one point four million taking the whole supply together. So yeah, let's see. I think it's 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 very very 
um, solid fake rare card. It's it's. I think the market cap is even higher than Dimitri Chenyak's piece, and I think this is this is quite a statement, right? Um, so yeah, let's 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 see where this is going uh, in in one or two years. How this is aging. Um, the cool thing is, if you see on exchange, nobody is opening a dispenser. It's really like fully in diamond, diamond handing, man. <laughs> diamond handing. We, we had a few seals on Emblem Vault with the with some in, in the fake rare collection, but on 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 exchange, on the native dispensers, it's zero. I yeah, mean, really zero. Not even not even some moonshot. Not even a Bitcoin. I mean, nobody is listing. The, the the permanent so i i'm really looking forward to to the price discovery very very cool it's the um well look we're in the midst of that's the current meta right is on chain ordinals has led the charge and you know chain positioned himself perfectly with his own artwork i mean it's pretty incredible and so i think a lot of people are like oh wow they're diamond handing now because they they realize retail hasn't even come in yet and if this narrative maintains itself for the next, you know, year or so when we have retail come in, you know, you could easily throw another zero at the end of that. Who knows? Right. So um, awesome times. It's great time to be in the bull market. This is fun, man. This is when it gets fun. We, we've been in what, 18 months of like uh, down bad. And it is really nice to see the timeline uh, happy again. So um, Chris, go ahead. Take us out, man. Yeah, man. Great show. And, uh, you know, if you're out in Denver, feel free to, you know, enjoy yourself, take the weekend off and, and kind of connect. But man, you know, awesome week of shows. Uh, we host, you know, Tuesday through Thursday, 1130 a.m. every week. We'll be back with Jake next week. He's out in Denver. So if you see Jake out there, go ahead and say hi. And, and thanks for everyone for, for showing up. We had a great week and uh, take it easy.